So are we ready to do an eat it or beat it? Yeah. Marshmallow hot cocoa smart food? Yeah, so you all know smart food, obviously, which is basically kind of like not popcorn. Ooh, get away oh, from boy. that. It's popcorn. Mm-hmm. It's kind of popcorn, am I wrong? I or is it popcorn? Oh. I think it might just be popcorn. Okay, I was thinking of something else. Well, it, it smells cocoa-y. I just dove right in. Where did you find it? 7-Eleven. I was looking for something seasonal that we hadn't done before, and oh. there's really not a whole lot. I wouldn't have a whole bag of this. I don't think this is for me. This is strange. <laughs> what does it taste like? It, it almost reminds me of a cereal or something. Yeah, it tastes like... It cocoa tastes like, Puffs or something? Yeah, yeah, like almost like that. Like like definitely like a Cocoa Pebbles, Cocoa Puffs but kind it, of... It's almost like a... It's like a... It's like dusty tasting. And I don't mean yeah. that in terms of the texture. It's just like the flavor feels diffused. I mean, it's almost like someone just dumped a bag of hot cocoa mix into a bag of smart food sugar. Yeah. And then... Well, there is a, there is a suggestion of marshmallow in there. Maybe there is... Maybe that's the weird part, you know? Yeah. There shouldn't be marshmallow. Because I agree, there is like a definite like yeah. hint of, like again, it tastes like a cereal marshmallow kind of thing. And I think that should not be there. If this were just cocoa. I will say, I really like cereal and marshmallows. I do too. I like, I mean, I like chocolate cereal. I like cereal with marshmallows. Yeah. This, for whatever reason, I, doesn't work. I think if you put this out at like a party and it was just like there and it was the only thing to eat, I'd... Go through a, a, a bowl of them, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would. I wouldn't choose this. I well, think, I, I think, think we should is, put it out later tonight and see what people think. I think yeah. part of it is my desire for popcorn is usually for a more savory snack, uh, and then to get chocolate and marshmallow, I'm like, mm. see, I can I can see that. I don't mind like a sweet like I, I like caramel corn. That um, is good, and I like the Chicago style where it's the cheese like and caramel corn, corn mixed together. I I, I don't do know if it's the same thing, but I like um what is it called um. Kettle corn. kettle corn. I do like kettle corn. Kettle too. corn's yeah. good. Just to just to bring it back to the important question. Eat it or beat it? Yeah, eat it or beat it. Beat For it. me, this is a beat it. Yeah. I I would not eat this. I, I'm eating it right now because I'm kind of hungry. But it's not particularly good. I would never buy this again. Mm-mm. No, I wouldn't buy it. Although I do have to say it's an improvement over the last time we did a popcorn for this, which was you remember that? It was that what roasted was sweet corn. Oh, that was oh, so bad. That was appalling. Yeah, the that was garbage. Oh, gave, my God, yeah. My dad loved it, and I yeah. was like, I have to take this home and show everyone how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, no, that was... holidays everyone it's christmas time here and this is why do we watch this the podcast where three friends watch a crappy movie talk about what they liked what they didn't like and how they would fix it all while enjoying a themed cocktail and it's our christmas spectacular so we'll be doing a vaguely christmassy type movie myself i am brendan footmint drischler i'm chris i'm a pregnant woman Ravel. And I am Lee. Raise your hand if you think the bottle of water should remain a symbol of hope. Delahanty. <laughs> <laughs> and you can obviously tell by Lee's nickname in particular, because that's, this was something we were all saying to each other anytime we would hold a bottle of water in the year 2015. Mm-hmm. All your friends were saying it. Mm-hmm. We did the 2015 movie Christmas Eve, directed by Mitch Davis, starring, here we go, Patrick Stewart, John Heater, James Roday, Mrs. Larry King, Max Casella, Gary Cole. Who am I forgetting? Anyone? Cheryl no, Hines. No, not really. Yeah, every, 
everyone else, else is kind of just like an actor. What's up? Yeah, everyone's just like yeah, bit players. Yeah, it's players. just like a bunch, a bunch of randos basically. Mrs. King is Sean Ora Benjamin, who was billed as Sean King at the time. Maybe she got remarried after Hell reclaimed Larry King. <laughs> who can say? <laughs> Anyways, so of course, before we get into the discussion of what the fuck Christmas Eve is, a movie that no one has probably ever heard of before, we have to discuss the drink that we made for Christmas Eve. The drink that we made is called Spritzmas Eve. It was one ounce of gin. 0.25 ounces, a quarter ounce of cranberry syrup, half an ounce of orange juice, and some sparkling wine. Pretty simple. You just add the gin, the syrup, the orange juice, and ice to a cocktail shaker, shake it well, and strain it into a fruit glass. Then you top it with sparkling wine and garnish with a little orange twisty. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Spritzmas Eve? I thought, <laughs> I thought it was a Spritzmas delight. It was. Um, yeah, no, it was nice. Yeah. Uh, it had a beautiful pink color. Yeah, it did. It tasted um, very Christmassy because obviously cranberry and orange are kind of the color. Customary fruit flavors yeah. of Christmas. Yeah, it was it was light. It was effervescent. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was um, it was. I don't think it's gonna like. It's not gonna enter the Hall of Fame. No, no. But it was a nice. Solid. But it was it was a pleasant low key. It, it's a yeah. very easy drink to make too. So it's one of those things Mix. where like if you had to whip up a Christmas themed drink for like a group gathering or something, you could throw this together with a minimum. Yeah, very easy. Was, I'm very trying easy. to imp, imp the the rye bread commercial where it's like makes a nice cocktail. <laughs> it makes a nice, nice sandwich. <laughs> makes a nice sandwich. <laughs> from, uh, the, from a deli owner, that's a rave. Yes, yeah. from a that's a rave. <laughs> All right, and as I said previously, the movie that we watched for our Holiday Spectacular is 2015's Christmas Eve. Now, you may have never heard of Christmas Eve, and there's probably a good reason why. This was a very fairly low-budget movie that was done, I believe, with a lot of Mormon money, so there is definitely a religious angle. The funny thing about it to me is... Those Mormon bucks. (laughs) The name is so generic. It is. It's easy to... It's easy to forget. See, and that's where Duke's... I feel like I looked up. I remember I was trying to find information about this movie online to see what Steel was. And at some point, I had found an article that mentioned formerly called blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what the former title was, but it was equally bad. I want to say it was called just like Stuck or something like that, you know? <laughs> Which is like somehow even a worse title. Because like, what the fuck does Stuck mean at the end of the day? I right. mean, like, it obviously makes sense with the elevators, but... Stuck it, without God's love? Yes, perhaps that. But I mean, obviously, it's the sort of thing where, again, if you have a Christmas movie and you want this to show up when you're on Amazon Prime or iTunes or some shit, you want to have something Christmas in the title and not just be stuck. Anyways, so Christmas Eve 2015. This movie does not have a synopsis on Wikipedia because no one knows it exists. So we're going to have to try and kind of wing it for a minute here. So let's all sort of try and do it. You got it? I got it. It's one of those. um, I don't know anyone's name, but I got this. That's fine. I don't either. I don't think the names matter so much. Um, gentleman who drives a copier van. Right. Right. Jorge. So, okay, so... Copier machine repair. Let's start, it's New York City. It's, it's Christmas York City. Eve. It's Christmas it's Eve. It's definitely not a, some, some Slavic city. It's definitely not Bulgaria. Yeah. His name is Jorge because it's Jorge's copier repair. Yes. He's driving his van. Yes. The van crashes because he's, you know, it's New York. It's his Guadalupe fell. His That's, Guadalupe it, fell. It crashes for a very dumb reason, to be quite clear. He has the Virgin Mary on his dashboard. It yep. falls off. And he's like, oop, better grab it and pick it back up. Yeah. Instead of waiting. While the car is still Right. Instead of like waiting, because I'm sure the Virgin Mary would be happy to chill on the floor for a little bit if Until it meant light. not yeah. having a car. Yeah. But anyway. So anyway, yeah, he, uh. He crashes by way of, like, averting someone, hitting someone else because he's distracted, but then flips his car into a park, and it crashes into a generator. The generator basically... So the way it is sort of described is it sort of knocks out 
power within a vast amount of the city, like yes. a large block or a something. A bizarrely large amount of the bizarrely city. Bizarrely large amount of the city. For one generator but, as yes. well. For one generator, but it, but his car then becomes like sort of grounded, like it's generating electricity. <laughs> There's electricity surging through surging his van. Through, yeah, it, so he it, can't touch the metal parts. Yeah, you, it's like operation. Yes. His nose will turn red and light up if he touches the metal parts. Yes, and so... When the the emergency guy arrives, this you know the sort of head of operations, or whatever, he basically explains that like the van touching the generator means that the elevators don't are, are able to have enough power to like stay stuck but not fall. Right, and to have lights. And on, to have apparently. lights, which doesn't make any sense, but yeah. let's just go with it. Right. So what this essentially means is that six elevators throughout the city that we are fo- concerned with uh-huh. are stuck. There mm-hmm. are, so th- so let's go through elevator by elevator. All right, and yes. there is, I think we are. We can all agree there are too many elevators. There's, yes. many elevators, there's six elevators. So the first, I'm just going to go through the order that I wrote them yeah. in. First elevator is um, Fired Guy and Mean Boss. So there's right. this... Um, John Heater. And John Max Heater. A.K.A. Max Napoleon Cicella. Dynamite. Yeah. And Max Casella. So at the beginning of this plot, um, before the power breaks down, um, John Heater has just been fired by this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, laid off is yes. the term. Um, and... You know, as he's got his stuff, like his cardboard box of belongings, he gets in the elevator and Max Casella's mad about his fin- foot- football fantasy yeah. thing. Gets in the elevator and now, oh no, they're stuck. Right as like, yeah, how, oh. How awkward how for them awkward. to be stuck. Their plotline essentially becomes one of, the longer they are stuck, they have to like sort of discuss, you know, there's a lot of discussion about like, well, why did you lay me off? And he's like, well, listen, I don't make these decisions. I just have to deal with it. Oh, I actually keep a list of all the people I lay off and right. I feel really bad about it. But John Heater's like, no, you don't. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. And then they sort of bond and then eventually. It's John Heater has the idea and Max Casella is the one who like. Yeah. But he also right shares as well his, his sort of stresses about the company and, right. and where it's at. And John Heater's like, well, no, what you're thinking about it all the wrong way. Like you can't be. You can't beat them this way. You have to do this. And he's like, well, why didn't you ever share this before? And he's like, well, I'm in tech support. I'm not like an ideas guy or whatever. But right. he unveils this like plan that basically is like sort of Tesla-esque. Right. Yeah. It's like renewable energy yeah. being energy. sent to everyone in America somehow. Yes. He's basically like invented green energy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, some kind of crazy ass I thing. I love that part where they just draw a question mark a giant on a piece question of paper. Mark right. on a piece of paper and just there, it doesn't make any sense. There's a no. lot of like techno babble that doesn't make any sense if you analyze it for more than a second, but they're like... Their concern is like, well, how do we get all the rules, rural areas to generate the same amount of power with right. the same throughput and output in the blah, Right. Blah. And there's also like, but like, if only like, but it can't go inside. And Mexico's like, then you got to bring the appliances outside. It's like, like oh, what? Okay. what do you mean? Sure. So yeah, there's a lot of that. But they, they, they spend their time filling up the elevator like putting uh, putting all these papers it's like, in the it's, like the, it's like the, it's always sunny in Philadelphia the like, like yes yeah. <laughs> it's a good the, wall the crazy the yes. Pepe Silva yeah Pepe yes. Silva yeah. <laughs> Yes, if they, if they had strings, they would be tying strings yeah. to each different piece of paper. And they, they basically come up with this, yeah, this crazy-ass scheme to, like, fuel America with renewable energy. Right. Such that by the time the elevator is done, they've, like, sort of solved... Right. And also, to be quite clear, energy. the movie posits that this should work. The, yes. At no point, like, you would think the joke would end up being, like, when the elevator door opens, they're like, and look what we did! And they look at it again, like, wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> this makes no scrib- sense at all. The joke was just scribbles or something. Yes, right. They're, they're just, like, sort of high on fumes. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. horny. But they become best buddies by yeah. the end, and they're probably gonna like, leave the company and start their own. Right. Or, or yeah, or and some shit like that. Yeah. Brendan was waiting for them to make out. Well, was waiting for them to kiss one or two times. Yeah, well, he does... <laughs> Max Casella literally does jump into John Heater's right. arms at one point, um, full on, and like wraps his leg. Yeah, around. like yeah, which as I like surprised that John Heater could 
hold him yes. so well because John Heater is like kind of like a bean pulley yeah. type guy like doesn't seem like he has a lot of muscle tone John Heater actually but... comments on how light Max he's like yes. wow you're really light <laughs> maybe John Heater is secretly built maybe he is maybe he it's where you're in a pretty blousy shirt so yeah. like who knows what's going on under there um, but yeah by the time they get out everyone thinks they're gay because they're he's kissing his forehead right they're like hugging each other very closely yeah. and like there are like reporters out there like oh, oh, oh. oh what happened to this elevator <laughs> and because this is going to be a faith based film they're like isn't that really crazy they think they're gay yeah, I'm just joking, but yeah. The next elevator I have is Shy Girl and Wirtzky's Yardist. This is a weird, a weird one. Uh, deeply unpleasant. This so, is, yeah. Um, James Rode. Yeah, so this is a ride. So jo- James Rode is coming off. Sorry, apparently it's, it's James Rodriguez Rode. I keep forgetting that, but that's the name he goes by now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a, it, he's coming off a of psych clearly, and <laughs> somebody hired him, and they were like, "Do psych." Yeah, right. So we were like, he literally left the set of psych one day, popped into. They're just like, "Great, just yeah. keep running Can with you your character." Keep doing that, but also be creepier. Yes. Yeah, it comes in. He's got like we don't even see the camera at first. He's just got like he's, you know, art artsy look, kind of hipstery looking scarf um, and everything scarf. Yeah. And this kind of, like, very, like, buttoned-up woman with, like, a scarf and a coat and a hat. Very kind of, like, meek and trying yes. to, like, avoid eye contact. Yeah, and yeah. Shit. And she's on her phone. She's avoiding eye contact. It's also the funniest elevator, just uh, from a set design It's a crappy, it's a, it's yeah. a crappy old building elevator with graffiti. But the way the graffiti they, sh- they put in there is just, uh, school sucks, I know, <laughs> which was funny. Yeah. Yes. A, the 90s salon logo. Yeah, yes. he, like... And like like and an artsy like, abstract woman's face with yeah. like a yeah. hair with sweep hair and sweeping, like lipstick, yeah. and I just I also love the the weird poem. Yes, that's on about there. the prince or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, essentially what happens in this plot is James Rode comes off as a huge weird creep. Yep. He's like first thing he does is kind of like chomp on gum in a real creepy way. Yeah. She's rightfully threatened by this man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's now trapped in an elevator with this right. strange man who is like trying to have conversations with her. Mm-hmm. He gets she's, in her face, kind of. Yeah, she's avoiding him, and he's like, well, he, he does this thing where he, like, pretends to have a conversation with his friend on the phone, and is like, oh, wait, cell phones don't work, so you're also not on your cell right. phone, so let's now have a conversation. Then he, like, takes pictures of her without her consent. Mm-hmm. She, like, physically hides. She physically hides, yeah. And then eventually, like, they kind of, it's, she starts to warm up. Like, they, you know, he he does kind of apologize. Eventually she agrees, partially because she's really hungry and she wants the hundred grand that he has yeah. to let photographs be taken the of her. The candy bar, yes. yes. to be clear. The, the candy bar, 100 grand. And he kind of like puts a little makeup on her, takes a picture, takes it a little too far and she gets uncomfortable again. Then she kind of talks about how like, why did you say I looked beautiful, but you made me like look prettier for the pictures um, and says, I have an idea. I want to take some pictures. And then she makes him put makeup on. Mm-hmm. And takes oh, shit. Turns it around. <laughs> yes. Um, but he seems fine about it. And he's yeah. into it. They have a little bit of a laugh. It's A fun. little bit of a larf. And at the end, they kind of get a little more genuine with each other. Like, she, at first, he kind of makes all these wrong assumptions about her being, like, a paralegal or something. And she kind of says, like, well, no, I just kind of get coffee. Like, I didn't. I kind of My dad was up. a janitor. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I pulled out from all these, like, Ivy League schools. I didn't want to do all any of that shit. He reveals that he, like, after seeing me, like, this weird kind of RC photographer he reveals that his job is like city records and taking pictures of dead bodies for the morgue which is the kind of like a bit of a you know tw- twisty side you know <laughs> surprising side re- like reveal yeah and it kind of ends with him the elevator starts back up and they have kind of like hit it off a little bit mm-hmm. um, and he's like well should we see each other again and she's like well I have a boyfriend yeah. he's in tech support at this yeah. big company it's John Heater it's John Heater <laughs> she's like oh well never mind then and just goes back to his apartment back to his yeah. well it's not I don't know if it's his apartment but he goes to the, his buddy yeah in the building who is 
the quote unquote clogger. We'll yeah. talk about that. But yeah. there's a guy in the apartment in the was, building known as the clogger. That was a right. confusing joke. Yes. Yeah, it was a very confusing joke. So, but he's he he doesn't live in the building that she lives in. Okay. She lives in the building. Okay, and he does not. Okay. He's visiting. Okay. He says he does his magic and then leaves. Okay. Wherever he says. Elevator number three is band camp. We got a bunch of. Orchestra people. Orchestra yeah. people. I don't even know how many. There's a bunch. There's about six, seven or so. Yeah, yeah. Six the, or seven. All going to a Christmas Eve concert. They're supposed to be playing in. in the jungle. Yeah. And there's a mix of ages. There's like older people. There's some younger people. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Hines is one of them. That's like really the only notable name. Yeah. And and they're all like, it, it's it's a huge stuffed kind of cargo-y elevator mm-hmm. full of people and their instruments. Mm-hmm. And immediately get stuck. And they're all like, and they're on their way to a concert that they're clearly now going to not make. Right. Um, and they're sort of locked in here in a very tight, cramped space. And they kind of like keep like rotating awkwardly. And they all know each other because they've all been practicing together. They've all been Working seemingly together. in this yeah. orchestra for a while. They have like a known chemistry. Mm-hmm. It gets a little heated at first because like, you know, even if you work with well, someone, that doesn't mean you get along with them per se. And they, mm-hmm. you know, they're in a tight, cramped space and they're mm-hmm. in some farce. And they're like, ah, go to and at one point, Cheryl Hines brings out a gun to defuse the tension. Right, by shooting bananas. into the air, which is an insane thing to do. Because, like, God forbid you shoot a wire or mm-hmm. rebound off a piece of metal yeah, right. and injure someone ricochet, else. Yeah, right? Yes. But after that happens, they kind of, like, settle down a little bit. And everyone kind of, like, starts to have more... Um, open conversation. Open conversation. And they just kind of share their feelings about their jobs. Yeah. Like, the violinist. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of emotional Dude. truths. There's a lot of, yeah, truth bombs. I just wanted to dance. Yeah, yeah she wanted to dance to play the violin. There's a lady that um, she did her Juilliard exam. Yeah. One of the guys has this nice little line about um, how he warms up the way his father did and it makes him feel connected to his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cheryl Hines just says, I like boy bands. Yeah. That's, which is That's, weird. It's, it's hilarious. It's a, it's it's a, a funny joke. Confession. Yeah. It's a huge confession. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it kind of, you know, from there, they... It's, it's, you know, it's kind of a mixture of, like, comic relief where there's bits where, like, one of them has water and they're kind of right. like, oh, should we drink the water yeah, or should not? Yeah, we save we the water? Yeah. We're going to be in here for. Um, and then... Eventually, they just sort of, like, to settle in for, like, well, we're going to be here for a while. Let's start jamming out. And they right. start playing. They play I'll Be Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. And Cheryl Hines playing. requests that the violinist play the Silent Night. Night. Yeah, and yeah. she, like, kind of makes it the violinist, really like, it. work yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, you know, kind of interesting because she's, you know, feels like she's bored. She's like, well, I'm bored of being violinist. Yeah. So I don't want to do And it. she's like, no, no, do it with passion. Yeah. Gusto. Be a dancing violinist. Be a dancing violinist. So, yeah, it's, and it's kind of nice. And, and there's not a lot of, like of growth the one thing that does happen in this elevator is that they kind of have these little confessions that come out at the end mm. and one of them confesses that they're like well, when I, they, they, it's, it's more like when they get out of here what's your resolution right. or whatever and one of them's like when I get out of here I'm gonna tell the girl that, that I, I like, like her, that I like her that yeah. I like her and they're like well you gotta do it and yeah. he's like well it's well, Cheryl. Cheryl Hines yeah, <laughs> yeah I like Cheryl you Hines. and she's like fresh yeah. <laughs> and I mean there's there's a lot of there's the other one's like I'm gonna call Juilliard tell them that I cheat another one's like I'm not gonna play like in the symphony anymore like yeah, I'm gonna the, play my own music I, or yeah, whatever the, I forget what he plays but he's got the brown hair yeah he like hair. he like talked about how like he, like he resents the fact that he's playing all this old music all yeah. the time and, like I, he wants to do his own shit it also should be said again real quick for you and Cheryl Hines then shoots the gun into the air several times so, once well, the well, elevator starts yeah, yeah once the elevator starts the, moving the door's open and the, to the cupboard she's holding a gun right she's holding like a smoking gun and she yeah. says something like there's holes there's in the ceiling display. you might want to look into that or something yeah. i just feel like the police officer would be well with it is right to like arrest her yeah anyway next um, elevator elevator four is just patrick stewart just pat stew 
Um, so he is a is a Scrooge. Yes, he's a he's like Scrooge times twenty. Right, he he does like real estate or some shit. Yeah, he's a real estate developer. He's at the top of this in development building, in in construction building. Um, he's making construction workers become tables for all yeah, the construction yes. workers so that they can look at the plans <laughs> together. He's making people take off Christmas Eve to right. work. He's berating everyone. And, he's berating yeah. universally mean, and 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 the second anyone says something that displeases him, they're fired. Mm-hmm. In an instant. Yes. So he's like yelling about the progress of the building and then everyone leaves and he's the last one down this mm-hmm. like crappy little construction outdoor. lift. Yeah, it's, outdoor. It's, yeah, it's one of those like outdoor elevators that's like barely contained. Yeah, and he's just stuck there and there is a phone in it and he he's able to reach like one or two people. So the first one, the, the, he calls one person on the phone who's like, yeah, we're trying. And he's like, you're not trying hard enough. You're fired. And yeah. just hang up on him, yes. rightfully. And then another guy like calls to him from like a crane nearby. Yeah. And he's like, hey, we're trying to help you. And he's like, you're not he's doing like, this. Yeah, enough. you're fired too. You're fired. And then they leave. And it's like, gee, Patrick Stewart, maybe just keep your mouth shut. Right. right. And at various points, he starts like yelling and railing. And the elevator starts to descend very yeah, quickly he, and stops. He's constantly, At one yeah. point, he like kicks the door off and then hangs out yeah, of the Yeah, he elevator. like falls out of the open elevator yeah. but manages to grab on somehow despite like that wouldn't work. He's yeah. he's superhuman. He has yeah. really big. He has a lot of strength. We yeah. also then find out that John Heater is his son. John Heater is his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't really know what the moral is here, but he's just so angry the whole time, and mm-hmm. the angrier he gets, the worse it gets for him because the elevator just keeps falling. And right, the elevator down. represents like his emotional state or something, yeah. or like his soul descending. And down. at the end, he's just sort of like praying that he doesn't die and saying like I I guess like, I was a shitty person. Yeah, I like I regret died. being so mean to my son. Like I used to be so happy living with you yeah. when we were all in London or whatever. It, it is like a sort of like express. It's, it's a Scrooge sans any ghosts coming no back ghosts, to like yeah. show him what he's like doing wrong. He just like really quickly is like, guess I did wrong. Yeah, I kind of uh, put this akin to like a sort of again, I don't know if it's Pascal or another mathematician, but like his, <laughs> something that Pascal's with or something where it's like he kind of repents, but only because he thinks he's gonna die. Right. I think. And it's yeah. like, I don't know if it's genuine. Yeah, it's it doesn't. Bizarre. I mean, it doesn't feel like because the end at the end when he almost hits the orderly or he hits the orderly on the bike, he's like, oh, like yeah. damn bicyclist. Damn where bicyclist, it just yeah. it just feels like, it, like he's really repented. He should kind of be like, oh my god, are you all right or something? But so he's like, Rah. yeah. Rah. Next elevator. This is five out of six. Mini <laughs> ER episode. Yes. Um, so. We have Gary Cole, Doctor. Dr. Gary Cole. Dr. Gary Cole. He and is an nurse, atheist. Yes. Nurse Mrs. King. Yes. And she, she, she loves God. She loves yeah. God. She thinks he's great. Yeah. And they and are. Real. Yes. They have a patient with them. Mm-hmm. And, and there's two also. We think they might be paramedics. They could be orderlies. They're, they're, they're way too they're, they're goofballs. They're, they're way too goofballs. dumb to be paramedics. Yeah. If they're paramedics, they need to go back to school. Yes. But anyway, they're in this patient with an elevator. They've, they've just attempted to operate on. There's. Supposed to have, she was supposed to have had a small operable heart tumor. Yes. Um, but they got in there and her heart was so fucked up, and they're like, well, this lady's gonna die. Right, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, we didn't catch this in the MRI. So they didn't take the tumor out, and mm-hmm. they're sort of like, when the status is that, like, when she wakes up, they have to basically break the news that you're dying. Yeah. We can't save you. Yeah. And the elevator gets stuck while she's still knocked out um, from the, the anesthesia, anesthesia yeah. and she's sort of like, they're sort of waiting for this to happen. They don't know when she's gonna wake up. And it's a bizarre mix of, this is the preachiest elevator where what's happening in this elevator is you bounce between the doctor and the nurse debating religion Mm -hmm. with the two orderlies doing the stupidest shit one of the orderlies has to pee very badly one of them has to pee very badly and the other orderly 
is like this idiot who thinks he's a genius. Who right. Trying to he's like, no, him. mind over matter. Mind like, over yeah. matter. Do this dumb thing. Right. It's like, stand on your thing. head and it'll make you have to peel Yeah, us. watch this. I'm going to like numb out the pain. Stab me with a needle and right. I will neck. neck. Yeah. In the fucking in the neck. neck. And then he immediately freaks out because he's being stabbed in the fucking neck. Right. And the doctor just watches it. Right. Out. They both just watch it like nurse Mrs. King like covers her eyes and like, oh, yeah. and, like pokes them open like, oh. But they're also just sort of like, those kids. Yeah. Those boys. Yeah. And so the, Gary Cole is basically, you know, doing the, the sort of like dumb atheist thing of like well if god exists how do you explain blah 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 well, yeah and it's blah. also that he, he like he'll he keeps trying to kick up this fight with yeah Mrs. he's, Mrs. he's being yeah. very provocative um, it also should be noted real quick that gary cole was asked by the patient to pray for her before, before she the... went into surgery and mrs nurse king is like well did you and he's like Bruh. mrs king in return is just like well let me talk to they literally like intelligent design comes up at some point right and yeah. she has like the vaguest she she has a very vague explanation as to why she believes in god where she just tells a story about how when she was younger she, just she felt god right she felt god and it's like okay that's fine but like that's not anything yeah it's, it's not like a good argument in yeah, this situation it's not there's no catharsis in this right. it doesn't feel good to, to hear that like there's no like it's just like i just turned around and it just felt nice yeah right. this is bizarre eventually the patient wakes up mm-hmm. and they have to break the news to her while she's while they're stuck in the elevator and the first thing she does is is ask gary cole atheist doctor yes. to pray yes right now in front of her yes for her for her and yes. then she live Give some notes. Live, yeah, right. Said, well, yeah, he says like like God, if you're there, and she's like, he's there. He's there. And he's like, can you bless this young woman? And she's like, I have a name. Yeah, she's constantly giving criticism. So it kind of ends with that sensation of like she's, and then also she decides yes. she's not going to tell her husband, right. which is insane. Which, is, which will is, be important yes, later. Yes, but this that will is, matter. That this is matter. also yes. insane. It is insane. She's yes. not going to tell her husband. Who's going to find out eventually? She's going to die. Right, and she says month. something that like he'll find out with like in a couple weeks or something. Which again, insane. Awful. Yes. Awful. Why would you? Why would you want it to hit them that way? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's pretty much how that one ends. Right. It, it, yeah, the very last part is like they do the prayer, they leave the elevator. Like Gary Cole meets his wife, who he was supposed to go out with the night before. Yeah. The orderly, one of the orderlies who pissed his pants, drives away frantic on a bicycle, like panicking for some dumbass reason. Yeah, and then hits. Yeah. Uh, and then Patrick Stewart's limo hits, hits him, him, and like that's kind is, of a bow on is their he story because he's embarrassed. Because he pissed. Pissed. It seems that way. Like, it seems like he's he's running. He's biking so fast yeah, that you yeah. would think that he's biking to a bathroom yeah. or something. But he's running home because he peed his pants, I guess. Yeah, and if there's got to be other scrubs, right? Like, like you, you, you know how often there's bodily fluids are getting there. on scrubs right. in hospitals, yeah. and there's showers in the hospital, right? So, like, why would you take your bike home through the freezing cold Hosp- Christmas yeah, morning? Hospitals literally have like beds for people to sleep in. Right. and have to stay overnight. Anyway, anyways, elevator six is what I call the dating sim elevator, <laughs> just because there's a lot of guys. Yes. Um. So there, the the compass. There's five people in this elevator. There are two girls, essential airheads. One of them is a blonde who is definitely like what you would call an airhead type right yeah. like a dumb blonde stereotype a dumb blonde stereotype has like a pee. and then yeah. there's um, the, her name is I can't remember her name I, I remember either. the brunette is named Sherry because it's Grandpa's Canary yeah that's right Um, the, br- the brunette's a little more like kooky crazy the brunette's a little more yeah just out there loopy yeah and then there's uh, there's the gay seeming art curator with the glasses. Yeah, I think yes. yeah, I think his name is no brain guy is Tim. Yeah, and Nick is the Santa guy. Nick so is the Santa guy there's, and there's art curator. Yeah. There's Santa hunk. Right, there's, there's a, Santa a, hunk a hunky Nick. guy who's dressed as a sexy Santa with like an open fur lined vest and yeah. like Santa boxer shorts basically. And a lot of tattoos. Yes, and a lot of tattoos. There's a brainiac um, whose name is Tim. Right. And he's wearing a Einstein yep. t-shirt. And there's yeah. a sort of neat freak British guy art curator. Yep. Yes. Uh, they're all in this elevator. Uh, it, it breaks down, and these two women are kind of like I would say the instigators of a lot of the because they're they're very much chatterboxes. Yes, and they start kind of like 
I love when it's first dark. Yeah, they they have these they like cell phones. Yeah, yeah. They keep turning their lights off and on as they're speaking. Yeah, so they like, turn the flashlights on only when they need to speak. Yeah, which is which is kind of fun. Yeah, and so it, it kind of starts with them, you know, asking like, "Oh, what well, are like, you well, know, let's get to know each let's other, get to know blah, each other blah, blah, blah blah blah." You know, they initially share their names and then what the, what they're doing, and everyone kind of says like, "Yeah, I'm an art curator, whatever." You know, mm-hmm. the, the two of them are just like. They don't have nothing. So like, like I'm one's a like Sagittarius, right? Like, one's like I'm a po- I'm a poetry student or yeah. something, but I'm also doing blah blah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the brainiac guy kind of. I don't think he really says what he does. He, he says he's a computer programmer. I think, mm. or we know that he's a computer right. programmer for some for other reasons. Um, and then Nick just says he's Nick. Right. That's all he says. Yeah. Nick- he literally says I am Nick, as if to say I am Groot. Like yes. Yeah. Very much. Yes. I am Nick. Yeah. yeah. I am Nick. And they're kind of trying to engage him in a conversation. It kind of becomes this thing where they're just kind of keep distracted so they kind of do like little parlor games or tell little mm-hmm. ghost stories it kind of becomes a running joke that like the brainiac guy is just constantly like beating them to the punch of all of these like she's sherry the poetry lady is is constantly trying to tell these stories or jokes or, or like riddles, riddles yeah and he's just like it's this it's yeah that. the right. answer's this it's yeah. just that and he's just like oh well except for well, he, well, he poses because he's the one who poses he's the, the one who poses that yeah. one his riddle is like there's a bottle a you wine bottle. Empty wine bottle, yeah. and you put an empty coin in the wine... Or you put a coin in the empty wine bottle, and then you cork the wine bottle. How do you, How do you get, get the coin out without opening the wine bottle? Yeah. And this goes on for quite a while. Yeah, Eventually, the person who they are speaking to, who is trying to get the elevator started again, who you never see, yeah. suggests that you just pop the cork into the bottle yeah, and then take the coin out. Hilariously, it's because they're, they're, he's like, is there anything you need while you're waiting or whatever? And they're like, yeah, actually, we have this wine bottle. <laughs> yeah. And there's a coin in it. But we can't take the cork out. Yeah. How do we get the coin out? He's, he's like, like, well, can, can you, you just shove the cork in? The cork in? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, that's it? Yeah. But um, it, it is a, it's like a simple solution after we get a whole thing about how, like, hey, it represents some mysteries that don't have answers. Right. This one also has a little bit of like existential discussions. Yeah, it's, it's less preachy, but it's more like philosophical. Where yeah. the they kind of talk at one point about what's the um, saddest thing you've ever heard, mm-hmm. and the two ladies predictably and a lot of the other people are just have these like really maudlin like it's a rabbit stuck in a well right like the puppy broke his leg or something yeah Yeah. and then the brainiac says well there's this scientist who or you know 1600s or whatever 1600s who like thought that he could weigh figure out the weight of the world and he came up with this way to like use all these instruments or Mm -hmm. whatever to determine it but he died before the method could ever be enacted and he'll, he'll never know and then he kind of explains that like because the universe follows all of these, like, laws that we understand that, like, means that everything is theoretically knowable, but the idea that, like, we can only ever know such a small part of it is inherently tragic. Yeah. Which is, like, and, yeah, it's, again, it's, like, everyone kind of, because initially everyone kind of blows off, that like, well, that's not sad at all. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, I guess that is interesting. Yeah. I um, mean, they can clearly, like, see the emotion that he feels about it, especially the art curator guy, which mm-hmm. I think there's real chemistry there. I do, too. So, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it kind of gets like that. And then it, later on, the art curator... You know, they're all like, what were, you, what were you supposed to be doing if you weren't here? And the art creator says, like, well, I was going to be doing this, you know, private tour of, yeah. a, of, a go- of, like a, of a thing. And they're like, well, do it for us now. And he kind of walks them virtually through this. He's explaining all of his art. Like, you explain, like, see. what the picture would be or something. Yeah. And, like, you see everyone start to, like, visualize it and everything. Yeah, and everyone's right. like, oh, wow. It's like, yeah. One of the artworks, uh, he talks about how, like, there's something they don't know like there's a mystery in it or whatever mm-hmm. and they're like what if you did this and then you would know what it was and he's like well I kind of you know then the mystery would be solved right. and you know there would not be any mystery anymore and it's kind of an interesting contrast to the brain guy's point of view yeah. but like the idea that everything, everything is, is knowable. inherently knowable yeah yeah. there's an, there's some interesting stuff in that one but it's it kind of goes a bit philosophical and a bit emotional at times but yes. nothing too overtly religious right. and at the end uh, when the elevator gets moving again they're like well what's everyone like gonna do to? now yeah. and, and the, the brainiac guy is like well 
I actually have to go to the hospital yeah. because my wife had a small tumor operated yeah, on. Yeah, but it was good. It's fine. We knew what it was, and we have a solution. <laughs> right? For it. Yeah, that's right. And she's gonna be okay. You're okay. just thinking like poor son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And you also find out this is not something that matters a whole lot. But hunky Santa, he mentions having like an ex girlfriend, and we yes. find out that his ex girlfriend is one of the orchestra yeah, players. Yeah, because he has a elevator. tattoo of a mermaid on his chest, and yeah. she has a matching mermaid tattoo on her wrist. Right. Um, it's not. Really it doesn't that, matter at all. Yeah, and it's, it's not just one that, of those everything is connected yeah. things. It's not that obvious. Like I didn't notice it my first time watching. No, it is. Yeah, I mean they show it like in two shots and then yeah. really never focus on it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the six elevators. Right. And while that's happening, also the solution that they were trying to do with the guy who was trapped in the truck is they managed to lift up the truck with a crane somehow. Things go awry. It starts to catch on fire. He jumps out of the truck. His wife, who has been brought there by the police to like, you know, encourage him or something, is waiting there too. The guy jumps out of the back of the truck while he is literally on fire. Mm-hmm. The firemen spray him down with a hose. Gently. Yes. Just with a, just gen- with a gentle, gentle drizzle. Rain. Instead of doing the stop, drop, and roll, they spray him with hose on Christmas Day in New York City, yep. so he'll be great. Middle of the night. Yeah, and so he gets out okay. He's still clutching his, you know, statue out of the Virgin Mary, whatever it is. You see him at the end going to the hospital where Gary Cole is working, being rushed in as, you know, the brainiac guy gets out of the taxi and all that crap, and the orderly who pissed his pants hobbles away manically. And that's Christmas Eve 2015, guys. Uh, it ends kind of abruptly, too. I guess it, it it's does. It's right after um, Art Curator sits down on a bench and Lena right. comes over, sits... Yeah, and tattoo he, lady. He, right. takes, he takes one of the mints out of his shoe. Right. He, had slipped, he had slipped Altoid boxes into his shoes earlier to act as lifts, I guess, because he felt know, like... Yeah. You thought they were for a different reason initially. I did, yeah. But I do think that he but was I, doing I, it as I don't lifts. I know what's right, yeah. Because he's I, trying to, like... I think it was that, like, he felt inadequate next to Hunky Santa or something. Yeah. Because I think there was a little bit of that too when like everyone kind of just leaves him at the end and he's just kind of like oh yeah and then so you see him Justice sitting for art curator guy. yeah and so then you see him sitting on a bench and one of the women the one with the tattoo who was saint nick's ex-girlfriend walks yeah. by the bench where he's sitting sits down next to him he takes off his shoe pulls the altoid tins out eats a mint and offers it to her and she takes one too yeah. and that's how it ends gross yep for gross. my money the hottest guy in the elevator i am inclined to agree i think it, i mean he is when he's not offering shoe mints yeah that's true i don't want that would not take a shoe mint from this oh, well, no, but, you know. Let's briefly go into this, too. As we said, this is effectively a faith-based film. It is something that's less preachy, I think, than most of the movies, most of the other movies of its ilk, and I think that might just be because it's not evangelical faith-based. The most it's open it gets is the... The, the Larry, Ki- the Mrs. Larry King and Gary Cole, Cole conversations, yeah. right. The other conversations, like Lee alluded to, the Brainiac ones, they're a little more vague and sort of existential in their nature, where it's about, like, you know, knowing things, like, all things are knowable, and the art curator being like, but, like, sometimes it's good to not know things too it's a broad it's more broad it's more spiritual right it's more spiritual than than you know outright faith-based and so like i said this movie does feel a little bit different at least from something like say i haven't seen it but god's not dead or something like that you know where it's beating you in the face right where it's like it's preaching to the choir or something like that is and again i don't know if this is because mormons generally have a reputation as being more sort of like pleasant you know like less overtly forcing it on you I mean, they still are, obviously. Or maybe this but. movie is trying to learn some lessons of, like, you know, be a little quieter, be a little gent- more gentle right. about it. It doesn't yeah. need to be every elevator is a challenge of No, God. No, that's true. But I do think it does say something that, for me at least, for a viewer without any particular real faith that the most excruciating elevator scenes to watch are the ones between Gary Cole and Nurse Larry King. It's definitely where the seams of the writing show the absolute most because you can tell that there's an attempt at doing something more serious than just 
kind of like goofy hijinks, which is what we mainly get in the other elevators. Right. It's definitely riskier, right? I think an existential conversation about what can be known or not known has a broader application than right. whether or not you believe in intelligent design. Mm. Right. And I don't know, like it definitely reminded me of those more overtly religious films that are really just not my thing. Well, yeah, because like, I mean, that's Ugh. the thing. Those overtly religious films are not made for you, right? They're right. made yeah. for people who already believe what the movie is saying so that they can show up and be like, yes, persecution complex. We are warriors for Christ. These are the problems that face us. Like we are being repressed actively every single day by the government and by Hollywood and all this crap. So this is more of this, please. Shovel it down our throats. I will say perhaps to them, though, because maybe in another uh, more religious film, Gary Cole would just be, like, a raving... A like, mustache twirling. Atheistic lunatic. Right, like, again, again, like like the, any professor in a God's Not Dead movie who's, like, right. comes in the first day class like, no, God! Yeah, and then fucking Marine Todd has to stand up and tell him, you know, exactly. what's I right. I remember thinking about, like, the, do people really think that? That they're persecuted? Is that really what they think? Yes. Yeah, they, it's because they like to have a person... Because it, it makes them feel that, like, you know, it's, what they're doing is right. If they're, like, actively fighting against other people, like, they're allowed to do it because they're being persecuted. Never minding the fact that, like... You know, no one in the government is obviously anti-Christian because, well, like, yeah. you can't be. And it's just so integrated into our government right. still that I'm like, I was thinking about, like, this the other day that, like, the, I mean, this is less, it's more patriotic, but I think there are God references in some of these things, but, like, the way we sing, like, the national anthem in yeah. football, that's bananas. <laughs> no, it is. I know. It's it is. It's insane. It is. It, you say the Pledge of Allegiance every school, morning. Well, that's bananas. Not, not so much anymore. Do you not anymore? Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't know. They, but... it, it stopped. Okay. I, mean, I think people began to feel like it was a little Maybe, weird. maybe in some, I, I, I can't we say with all in school. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying, like, now. I don't know for sure if it stopped everywhere or something. I'd have to, like, talk to more active teachers or something instead. But, like, it is one of those things where it's, like, if you heard people doing that in North Korea, you'd be like, oh, my God, they're right. so brainwashed by their government. Yeah. And here it's, like, every morning everyone stands up and salutes the flag. That's weird, right? You could you could acknowledge yeah. that's weird. No, you can't. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it, it is a similar sort of thing where the idea is that, you know, despite the fact that you have all the power in this scenario, yes. you still feel like you're being and persecuted so that you can, like... That you just cut Roe versus Wade overturned. Right, yes. Oh but yeah, you can never stop though, right? Like you yeah. have to keep going because you're still being persecuted yep. in some way. And that allows you to take whatever steps you need to enact your own agendas. I think even though it's my least favorite elevator, the religious one, I guess it could have always been worse because it's not as if they were taking up some kind of political cause right. that I would have really felt turned off by. Right. Like, for example, if it was anti-abortion, like, yeah. openly, I would have been like, I'm right. Good. right, if it was like, if it was a patient getting an abortion and Gary Cole's like, we gotta get this process done, and the nurse was or, like, not on my watch, you know what I mean? Or if it was like... I don't know, like, if it involved, like, a queer person or, like, a trans... I mean, then I would be like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 Well, I mean, to be fair, this movie doesn't have queer people at all, despite the fact that there is some sort of obvious weird chemistry between the Bradyac guy, the obsessive-compulsive art curator, and even Hunky Santa, to a lesser extent. Um... <laughs> it's the thruple. Listen, the, the the soft theme for this year for our podcast was thruples. <laughs> Polyamorous thruples. Um, but I, I I guess maybe it's it's not as bad as it could have been because it's more just about like Christian faith as a general concept. Mm-hmm. I think the right. the most political it gets is vaguely getting into intelligent design. Yes, um, it's at least not something like aggressive. It's not, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I think the most aggressive thing, again, is this patient repeatedly demanding uh, that yes. an atheist doctor pray with her. Which is just, it, to me, it's like, what do you get from that? Right. What do you as a patient right. get from making an atheist, like, bend to your will? I have no idea. That makes no sense. I, in that situation, just want to be like, can't you just let each other... Right. It's just like, like, it's like why don't you have my yeah. nurse pray with you who does believe right. in God? Like, let Wouldn't her that mean do something this. more to you? I don't, yeah, I don't know, like, for narratively, I don't know what you're getting out of that moment, like... 
Well, does she, does she blame him for not praying? <laughs> yeah, right. If he had actually prayed for her before she surgery, would, have had an would she be fine? Yeah. I think the implication is meant to be like, oh look, his his heart is potentially like unthawing, yeah, a little. Which I I, I think is dumb. Like I, yeah. I I fully believe like it's equally obnoxious to rag on someone for their faith as it is to rag on someone for being an atheist. So right. just like, yeah, what does it give you to put this person in this position right. where they feel compelled to pray to something they don't believe? And we in. talked a little bit about this scene about how like both the nurse and Gary Cole kind of come off as assholes in yeah. the scene where he's unnecessarily mean to her and mm-hmm. she's kind of like constantly sniping at him a little bit too. So it's like neither one of you really comes off as someone I want to ascribe to, you know, do in they terms try of beliefs. To, do they try to imply that his atheism... I understand it comes out of the whole, like, how could God allow this? And then, like, you see his wife later. She has a cane. Right. Yeah. So you're you're meant to believe his atheism came from a place of just, like... like his wife was injured or something. Yeah. But again, like, that's one of those things where, again, the movie doesn't see fit to, like, go into this sort of thing. But, like, I so much, like, there are legitimate questions you could ask yeah. about this. Like, why do children die? Like, why do little children suffer and die? And then it's one of those things where it's like, if your answer is just... But that way they go to heaven. It's like, congrats, you have a death cult now. You don't have a religion. Oh. You're basically just saying, when you die, everything's good. So don't yeah. worry about this. I also don't think it's a strange thing for a medical professional to grapple with. No, I don't either. Um, in fact, I would find it alarming if my doctor didn't have that struggle. And like, where's your emotional depth? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think also, too, I, I, it's not like, I don't think it's a great line, but Mrs. King has a line where she says something about, like, just because I don't know everything doesn't mean I don't know anything, which I think is, like, kind of, like, a fine mm-hmm. argument for a faith-based perspective, you know? Like, I think if that's what works for you, that works for you. But because this movie is dealing with such, like, a surface-level exploration of what faith is to these characters, we can't possibly begin to, like, no. discuss any of this in any real depth. And yeah. the surrounding tissue is so soft and frivolous that it feels strange taking it seriously. Well, especially when you cut back it. between, like, the fucking orderlies, like, standing on their heads and stabbing Pissing each other with themselves needles. And- yeah, I, I don't know. I also, I straight up, like, I don't want uh, people dying of... Turbulent diseases in my Christmas movies and general. Yeah, yeah, that too, right? Also, I, I truly, and you know, like obviously, if you're in this position, you make all the decisions you feel are necessary. But yeah. why wouldn't you tell your husband? Yeah, that I hate going that. To die? I hate that so much. Why would you, you prefer your? Why would you prefer your spouse to be blindsided when right. you're dying? Right. Yeah. I think if you wanted, if you really wanted to have this kind of thing, like a faithy kind of discussion, mm-hmm. then maybe it makes sense to have it in an elevator in a hospital. Without a patient who's imminently dying, with mm-hmm. just like a doctor who's fatigued morally and, and mentally and emotionally. I, I mean, I would also go so far as to say, like, one, that is a movie unto itself, right? Yeah. Like, you could yeah. have a movie. It's not a movie I'd probably want to see, but, like, nope. that is a movie. The other thing is, I don't know what this really has to do with Christmas. And that's kind of like, I know, obviously, Christmas, Jesus' birthday. But I feel like the discussion of, like, whether or not God exists is not really the discussion of Christmas, you know? Yeah. Like, it, so much of this movie feels like it's called Christmas Even Takes Place at Christmas because they realize that people are looking for Christmas movies to watch online all the time. Yeah. It's like, that's why it's called that. But so much of this movie has very, very little to do with actual Christmas it's in most, that respect. That's a really good point. It is very, it's kind of like a diehardy thing where it's just like... It just happens to take place at Christmas. But sneak it in there. People don't yeah. discuss Christmas, really. Right. There's no, like, 
no one's really talking. There's no themes that people are discussing right. that are explicitly tied to Christmas. And I mean, you could have that discussion be something about faith because I know, like, it's something that sh- I've seen shitty movies do. Like the crappy remake of Miracle on 34th Street from the 90s does a lot of legwork to basically be like, isn't Santa kind of like Jesus in some right, respects, right, where you just right. have to believe in it? I fucking hate it. It's awful. That's kind of, I guess, a conversation you could sort of have with something like this. You you also don't want to have a conversation with James Roday being like, you don't believe in Santa Claus, do you? And the girl in the elevator being like, yes, I do believe in Santa. Santa Claus still because like that's just obviously insane so this movie is dealing with uh, you know it's grappling with questions of faith that feel almost out of place with what the rest of the movie kind of implies it will be you know yeah, I don't know. It's it, there's there's just something very strange about the trappings of Christmas in this movie. I guess I don't really understand. I I guess I, maybe I, what I'm at a loss for is I really don't understand what the difference. What what if you're a faith ba- if you're a faithy mm-hmm. if you're a Christian or whatever, what difference Christmas? What does the Christian meaning of Christmas? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's much more like you're you're like contemplating Christ and God and you're like I don't know. What that means, so wait, is that is that so? I'm sorry. Your question is just like how would you look at Christmas differently if you had yeah? Because like not? I guess from my perspective. When I when I watch Christmas movies and when I think about Christmas, uh-huh. I just think of it as a time of like family right. and like you know goodwill. And I think it's still in there, but I think it's motivate. I think it's it all ties back. Like it's, it's, a, it's back like Jesus when, is the reason for the season kind of thing. Going it ties on. back to like. I'm showing virtues that Jesus... Right. It's kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men, but also all of that is because Jesus was born. Right. You have all those things, but you know that deep down the real meaning for those things and why you're actually doing them is because of Jesus. I don't think I could get into this. I don't think I could ever think from this perspective. (laughs) I'm not... Yeah, no. And I I think it's one of those things like either, you know, again, like with most faith-based things, you believe it or you don't. And if you don't, then it's it's not going to do anything I believe in like an abstract concept of spirituality of like Mm -hmm. these things are important but the idea that it's like I have to celebrate a specific guy being born is bizarre to me I recognize and respect the value and comfort that religion can bring for people but it just personally does not do that for me yeah yeah, I didn't want this entire episode to just be a discussion of, you know, religious-based stuff, but I do think it matters in a movie like this that is yeah. so clearly trying to grapple. And I, that's also, I think, kind of going off of that, why for me, the uh, elevator with the more sort of vague spiritual questions it's works better, yeah, than just having a nurse and a doctor debate whether or not God exists, you know? Like, I that's agree. kind of that's kind of almost compelling for me to watch versus two people literally debating, whoa, whoa, it's, it's a big guy with a white beard. Like, that's what God is, and her being like, I don't know everything. Everything, but I know that God felt me or something like right. that. But. It's also the dating sim elevator is having a more kind of broad minded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, I guess, non-denominational discussion. But it's not very about, it has nothing to do with Christmas though. No. Right. No. It, it has like some very, like we said, spiritual discussions yeah. to it. It's but again, of, nothing about this is about like the, I think the elevator that's really kind of closest to Christmas anything is the orchestra one. Yeah. By dint of the fact that they're, they're going to play Christmas. for Christmas Eve. And they're like, they're finding community with each other in that moment. Right. And, and like that's that's again something else that I kind of do like about this yeah. movie. Like I kind of like the idea that you have a group of people who may not know each other very well, who sort of start to warm up to each other mm-hmm. and get to know each other in like a deeper, more meaningful way than they might have before. It's also I think it's attractive because it is one of the more lighter-hearted. Yes, that too. Ones and it doesn't feel the same level of like WTF stupid as the orderlies do. Right. It's not as sort of repetitive as um, the business bros elevator. Or as repetitive as the Patrick Stewart one, frankly, too. Right. The Patrick Stewart one's just him. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Yeah, yeah. And so um, he's like, oh, I was bad. So uh, I think that also is kind of like, it. it's just nice. It's pleasant. It's it's kind of funny. It's, you know, that part's nice. The, the one that repeatedly turned me off, though, was uh, the... 
photographer. All right. Yeah. So let's comment real quick on all the elevators before we cap this out. Because yeah. I imagine we've talked for a while about this point. Yeah. So let's briefly go through every single elevator. So let's start with James Rode Rodriguez and the other woman, B and whatever her face was. He's so creepy. Yeah. He um, doesn't end up being that much of a creep, but he just comes off. No, he comes up and he, like, he's introduced as a creep. And I guess like maybe it's a fake out or something. There's, but like it's, he's, uh, it's not a well done fake out. I also so. think there's things about him that he does that are creepy that the movie doesn't recognize as creepy. If someone think says they don't want their picture taken, don't no, take their I picture. Agree. If someone is physically cowering underneath their coat, do not continue taking pictures. Yeah. My take on this is that they wanted it to be a fake out of somebody who seemed weird, who seemed like they were threat. Yeah. A threat or threatening. And who was just like a lonely soul looking for a connection. Yeah. Right. But they wrote a skeeve. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I didn't they know did. they wrote a skeeve, but yeah. you did. Right. Uh, and they needed to like, yeah, it was just written, a character written poorly. So I don't blame uh, anyone but the writer for oh, that. correct. Yeah. It's not his fault. No. Yeah. And I do like that she turns it around on him and puts makeup on him. Yeah. That's, that's no kind of fun. To show it's, a, it's one of those things that we're like, by the time that happens, it's like, it's so late. It's like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not enough. <laughs> like, I've sat through you guys for so long. Yeah. It, that does really feel like the one, that and Patrick Stewart honest I guess I was gonna say like is that the one that I'm most bored by but like I feel like that Patrick Stewart and the John Heater ones every time we cut back to them I'm like oh great we have to sit through like a scene with these guys (laughs) again Patrick Stewart is just so I don't understand what yeah. I'm supposed to learn from. That. I agree. It's prof- it's profound. It also has some of the shittiest green screen in the movie. Yeah, like oh. there's a lot of shitty window green screen in this movie. Like Max Casella's office is clearly not in New York whatsoever. But at least it's limited because in everyone else's elevator, we're not seeing the outside. Right. With Patrick Stewart, you always are open to the New York skyline. And it, <laughs> I put heavy yeah, quotes on New that. York, I mean, it is the New York skyline, but you're not. It's not there. Uh, but you know, you, it's it's just Patrick Stewart badly compiled into this background, railing at people on the phone, being like, oh, get me down, like, I'll fire and you all. you're fired. Right. Yeah, like, all those people hanging up on him and ignoring him, I would be too. This is, like, a fucking, like, who wants to be belittled by some jerk ass stuck in an elevator while you're trying to make the situation right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then again, like we said, he has this face turn at the end, but we're not really sure why. It does seem like Lee, like you said, it seems like he's kind of terrified by the thought of his imminent possible death. Mm-hmm. And so he starts, like, looking back at his life and being like, oh, like, I was so mean to my son like I wish he would forgive me although I don't expect it. it's also weird that like after setting that up you think you would see him with John Heater yeah. very briefly yeah. like, like at least and he, tie the loop right just like even if he like just stopped off at the diner and he's like I like I heard like your girlfriend said you'd be here or something and he like stops so I see he's like Merry Christmas son and it that does, ties a bow on it it's very bizarre that they wouldn't have put more of a resolution or a button on that because it's clear that they are trying to recreate like a, 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 a Christmas Scrooge Carol, yeah. yeah Christmas Carol situation uh, but they move at such light speed through it, and we really only stay on one note, which is grrr. Right. Um, so it's it's not a satisfying journey, even though I love Patrick Stewart. Yeah. It's nothing on He's him. Great. Yeah. But they just give him the same thing to do all movie, and then there's no evident change by the end. Right, and then again, like I said, once his car hits the orderly, he's still like, oh, I hate bikers so much. Where again, you think if he saw the lights... He'd be like, oh, are you going to... Right, like he could have the car and be like, oh no, like get him to the hospital or some shit. Instead, he's just yelling at them. What did he actually learn in this elevator? Did he actually learn anything? To me, I don't think so. so. The next one will be, real quick, we'll do the John Heater and Max Casella elevator, which... I think it's just a plot that's boring in one note. And I, I, like, for me, I I could see this gone from the movie. I agree. I could too. It, that and um, and Patrick Stewart for me very easily lift out. Yeah. I could see Patrick Stewart still being in it somehow. You would just need to have a better like Lee. You had said as a possibility, just a real quick thought. Like someone else, like one of yeah. his employees, should be stuck there with him, yeah. and so he has or, that employee to bounce off. Or of. like you know somebody 
is somebody ends up helping him despite the fact that he's a raging where he's been yelling at this person the entire time and be like yeah and honestly that could kind of take the place of the mask casella john heater one because that way you could still do like the angry boss and like upset employee sort of thing in a different fashion john heater has a really weird line in that one too when he's talking about max casella being blase and firing people he says something like do you know what people call you like you know what everyone calls you what you know because of all like the, the firings you do they call you snow white because you seem so disinterested you might as well be asleep First of all, what you call him Sleeping Beauty, if you seem to be... I realize that Snow White falls asleep, but that's like a fourth of the story. Not the biggest part of the story. (laughs) Not per se. She doesn't have sleeping in the name of the story. And also, like, why wouldn't you just say, like, he seems like a zombie or heartless or something? What weirdo in your office is like... This guy is, like, so blasé when firing people. He's just, like, Snow White. I feel like all the employees would be like, I'm sorry, can you, know, you stop and explain what this means? You know the writer thought this was, like, a clever reference. Yeah, so. but I also love that, like, John Heater has to stop and thus explain what he means by that, too. It's not supposed to you be know a why? joke. Somebody, some script editor was like, what do you mean? What the fuck does this even mean? How is this an <laughs> yeah, insult? Like, well, well, let me tell you. Is that a, uh, is that a Paulette line? It's a Paulette yes, line. it is. Okay, what's the next elevator you guys want to bop to? Um, uh, orchestra? Well, let's do orchestra. Yeah. I mean, that's... Just, I I mean, for me, orchestra and dating sim are the top two. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. I think the orchestra, like I said earlier, the orchestra one is fun just because it's a bunch of people who don't really know each other, kind of gradually opening up to each other. I like the scene where they play I'll Be Home for Christmas. Like, they all just sort of start jamming together in the elevator, which I think is a sweet little moment to have. The Uh, musical bits were probably my favorite. Yeah, Yeah, they they have good. They just have good chemistry as a group. I like. I I really like the running bit about the water, where somebody reveals that they have a bottle of water. Yeah, like a third of a canteen of water, and it becomes like this sort of thing where people are like, like "Let's drink the water." And people are like, "No, no, 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 save it, save the water." Like, no, it's a symbol of hope that we'll get out of this. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I like, even though again, if I was trapped with coworkers in an elevator, one of them revealed that she had a gun that she would be prone to firing off haphazardly. I would try to ambush this woman and take the gun from her. The, yeah. the craziest part of that entire thing for me is it. she's firing off that gun while she's kissing that guy seemingly as if it's like involuntary like yeah like having such a good time bang 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 <laughs> bang bang yeah and like at one point they're telling her to like shoot at the door and it's like don't shoot right. don't do that like well, there's, there could be brick behind that door this could be rebounding off and hitting someone for the love of god don't fucking shoot at a door with a gun that's mm-hmm. insane especially that little handgun yeah, yeah that's yes. and then um dating so, so I, I like this elevator there's a lot to there's a lot to work with in this elevator i, I don't really know what it's doing all the time. Right. I'm still a little unclear as to like who, like, th- this is sort of like Sartre No Exit or something where I'm like, who are these people? Where did they come from? Well, Why are they all in this elevator? Like, what is yeah. this building? Well, it's a large building. Is it that they're between like the 25th? Right. So I assume it's just must be some sort of like office space type building, right? Yeah. Where it's the one guy, like Hunky Santa, when his door opens, it says something about like security in the background. So like, I guess he's that. There's a mall on the because at some point they talk about a department store yeah I think it's partially like a commercial space which is probably why the gals are there yeah because they were at a they talk about being in a department store and how you would go through counterclockwise and she she later the Sherry says that she tests cosmetics right for a job so I assume that there's a department store or or a mall somewhere because also there's like escalators and stuff at the bottom right so maybe the first couple floors are a mall and it goes right and then it's like office type spaces yeah yeah could even be residential in some part Um, yeah but again, and again, but like I still don't know. Like, what is art curator guy doing there? Like, what is brainiac guy doing there? Like, are they coming from work? Are they? Yeah. Do they live there? Yeah. I, I truly yeah. don't know. Um, I think as an, as annoying as blonde lady is, I will say I think both her and Sherry are 
sweeter, kinder versions of kind of dits or airhead or, like, annoying lady characters than I was expecting. Yeah. Like, ultimately, it's kind of yeah. nice. And, like, they're, like... I, I kind of feel like in a, in a somehow lesser movie, they would not have... They would have, like, laughed at the Arcurian. Right. Yeah, they're not... They're never dismissive. Thing. They listen to everyone. Right. They're interested in what everyone has to say. They take it in. They don't They don't go, like, huh? Whenever the yeah. brainiac says something smart. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. I think if the blonde woman weren't doing that voice, I would the find her, like, voice, 50% I, more likable. I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. a very sexy It's very baby. rare to be a Sagittarius yes. and allergic to peanuts. Yes. Everyone knows this. Yes. Yeah, bizarre. There's, yeah, there's a lot of vocal fries being yeah. served here uh, yeah so like th- that's kind of all you can say about the women I think they're mostly fine the, yeah. um, I mean Brainiac interesting character kind, I, of I, a, kind of an odd one for this kind of movie but a, kind of refreshingly so yeah I, I like the idea also that he's that to pass the time these people are doing all sorts of like games and riddles and shit like that that's not that relatable feel, right that feels like what you would probably if you were in an elevator and you were stuck and you had no reception you probably would just start doing shit like that yeah. to pass the time there's some wasted potential here like I don't really know what they're trying to do with the curator, but there is like a moment halfway through where he seems like he feels insecure on these two other guys. Yeah. And puts the Altoids in his shoes. so strange. Right, right. He surreptitiously he... slips them into yeah. his shoes. And I at like... the end, like they, they get out and he's the guy, you know, the computer programmer Brainiac is like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to go back to my wife. And then the two girls like grab, throw their arms around Hot Santa. Yeah, each of Hot Santa's biceps that are like, oh, and then the curator looks a little bummed. Right, like that they forgot him. Yeah. Which like is kind of sad, frankly, like in the movie, like, and I yeah. guess the movie is supposed to like leave you thinking like well he got with that one lady from the orchestra at the end so yeah. like it's all okay but still like it feels sort of like these people just kind of went through something together and they immediately like the two women immediately yeah, abandoned I, him I really did think halfway through that we were going to have a connection with the curator and someone yeah and I, I, you know, no, it do, it does feel like I mean again. Also, there's two women and two other men in that elevator, not yeah. including Brainiac. So like, surely one of them could have been written yeah, to go for him. I actually really did think it was going to be the the brunette, but it wasn't. It, does, it, it feels like it should be, yeah. right? I did too. It feels like she's kind of vibing because on I, with. If you watch when I because I distinctly remember this, the first time he puts Nelson in his shoe is directly after something she says. Right. It's like he's trying to impress her, yes. basically. Yeah. And they're both wearing glasses, so you know. Yeah. Right. So they both have dark hair. So yeah. they so have to perfect. be together. That's right. <laughs> it's a perfect couple. So, yeah, it does seem like... But then again, it gets aborted because she's like, I just want the muscle guy. Right. Yeah, we, we're, we're dummies and we love the hunk. And she yeah. wants beefcake for Christmas, and I yeah. can't blame her. Yeah. That's true. And then I guess just lastly, briefly, the truck story. It's really... It's weird to me that it's called... Their slogan is Deus Ex Machina, first it's, of all. I think it's supposed and, to be a religious thing. But, like, Deus Ex Machina is not inherently... Re- I mean, it's religious, but not religious in the Christian sense. It's religious in a Greco-Roman sense. I think they're maybe, like, taking it as the Christian god from the machine. I think it's meant to be, like, a little joke that, like, the van is the... De- the device with which the plot is propelled. Right, no, it is, but it's almost like that's not what a Deus Ex Machina is, though. Yeah. Like, that would be like if the van somehow saved the day yeah. by, like, my, yeah, after, like, destroying it in the first my, place. Yeah. My larger complaint is uh, the movie's cartoonish understanding of South American people? Are they? I, I thought they're Mexican or something. Are they Mexican? Pretty sure. I don't Mexican, know. Just yeah. the whole like, I brought you tamales. Well, yeah. I mean, it, they're very like stereotypical. Sort of like she shows up with like a basket full of tamales because he's trapped in a car. Just like I brought you something. Of course, he crashes the car because his uh, lady of our lady of Guadalupe <laughs> right. falls off, and he has to pick her up and put her back on the dashboard, lest yeah. some catastrophe befall him. You can. You There's. Can, a, I mean, that happens to like other. That happens in, like regular Catholics too. Like yeah. other with other representations. Right. Like, no, it does. The Virgin Mary. Yeah. I, 
I guess maybe part of it is just because this is a pretty white cast yeah. by and large. Like, feels, yeah, these these are like, aside from James Rode Rodriguez, right? Are these the only non-white people in the cast pretty much? Probably. Maybe I'm missing something, but yeah. Oh, the, the orderly. One of the orderlies is black. Yeah. One of those disorderlies. It's a deeply, deeply bizarre storyline in the sense that I don't understand the science or the mechanics of what's happening at any given point. Like it simply makes no sense to me whatsoever that this is the cause of the power outage and then they can't move him because his van's conducting electricity so they have to lift him up and that somehow allows there to be a little bit of electricity to the elevators but not a lot of electric like it's right. just yeah. there's so much insane shit happening and again like they have the to the van is a game of operation <laughs> right yes yeah. the size of you or yeah or his nose turns red and, then, and like, like the, the, the work that they have to do in the hospital to be like well yes we have backup generators but we still can't get the elevator moving because of x y and z yeah they're putting so much effort into making this try to make sense and it never convincingly makes sense to me yeah for me i i feel like you would have been better off omitting this entirely or finding a simpler way to explain a power outage you know like anything could be done but instead we have to keep going back to this perilous situation where a minivan is dangling upside down and potentially going to catch on fire yeah uh, I, I guess there's really not much else to say about this movie. There's nothing to say for looking to score, really. As we said, the score in this really sounds like it's all public domain. It does, yeah. Music. They googled like the mood music, and it just they googled like touching, emotional. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> moving. Yes. Yeah, and so there's just um, a, a lot of that basically. Yeah. Uh, there, there's there's a couple of Christmas songs, obviously, because it is ostensibly a Christmas movie, kind of in trappings only. But you know, you still got that. That's pretty much all there is to say, I think, in terms of looking to score for this one. Yeah. So shall we move on then to our fixes for Christmas Eve 2015? Sure. Do you yeah. Who wants to start? I can start. I don't have an idea really. I'll just I'm axing John Heater and Pat Stu because they're linked. I don't really care to. F- rewrite Pat Stews mm-hmm. to be independent. I might ask the ER one as well. I don't know. I really want to heavily rewrite the artist and the shy girl. I really like the concept here. The idea of this kind of weird, maybe off-puttingly upbeat guy um, who's just like, doesn't know how to interact with people maybe that well. I think you lean into weird, but lean off of skeezy. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy to do. Yeah, it is. So you, I think you want to, I don't even say like recast from, from James Ray Rodriguez into somebody who's like, maybe a bit, or scuff him up a bit more. Or as someone who's like a little less attractive looking. Yeah, yeah. or just like weirder looking, yeah. right? Like maybe, because again, I think the idea of I was almost, this is something that's, right. Man. This is something that's going to come up for mine, I think, but like, you could almost swap Brainy Guy and James Rodriguez. Yep. Yes. And I think that might play a little bit yeah, better. Yeah. Make more sense. Somebody who's like not unattractive, but also like looks like they could maybe be crazy. Yeah. If you have that kind of a, a vibe, um, then I like the idea that there's this girl who is threatened by being in an elevator with this weird guy. Uh-huh. Um, who really is just looking for a connection. He, they maybe, you know, maybe make some missteps because he doesn't know how to, like, approach this woman and she's also got her guard up as well. I don't think they have to, like, hit it off even. I don't think they have to, like, end up together. But I don't know. I think it's... It's, it's a weird moment to come out at the end and just suddenly be like, oh, I have a boyfriend. Not even from that, not yeah. even the sense of, like, it's shooting him down. It's just, again, one of those, like, love actually moments of, like, why I am the prime yeah, minister's right. sister. Right. None of it needs to connect. Right. And I kind of like the idea that they don't even... It's not even a thing that it's just like, well... I had this moment. It was nice. Right. And we leave. Right. Bandcamp. I would kind of essentially have unchanged. I really like Bandcamp. I would do more of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I'd find something else aside from the gun, though. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't? I would give them all weird. guns. That would be my mix. <laughs> They're actually a gun's face. Next stand on it. <laughs> 12 hours of them holding guns at each yeah. other being like... Yeah, you shut the fuck up, Karen. <laughs> um, dating sim. I think you you can have one sort of loopy lady and one lady who's more grounded. Mm-hmm. I think you need to ground one lady up. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Interesting fix. Keep one of them more grounded, put her more down to earth. If you even do that at all, we talked about the idea of maybe combining poet girl with art curator guy. Yeah. Which is an interesting idea. Um, listen, I'm all for it. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I want our curator to get with Brain Guy. I'm doing it. All right. I'm doing it in mine. And maybe there's another through line there where Nick is like, you know, hung up on this ex and the other lady helps him kind of work out his feelings with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I want one of the main threads in the dating system to be this kind of like mystery versus answers. Knowing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Versus knowing kind of a thing. Right. One idea I wanted to use a lot is I was thinking about it because I've seen it happen where people get phone calls in elevators that are clearly for places of business. Like somebody's calling for like the registrar's office at some college or like a doctor's office and they're like, excuse me, you're in, you're talking to an elevator right now. Right. So I don't know how that happens, but I like the idea that somehow the elevator calls, calls other elevators. Uh Uh-huh. And that these people who are stuck in different elevators can talk to each other who are also stuck on different elevators. Yeah. And I kind of like that it wouldn't be like a thing they control, but it just ha- kind of just randomly. Ha- like they keep hitting the call button uh-huh. and it never hits the right person. It just hits another elevator every yeah. time. Yeah. So maybe you have like, you know, three or four elevators that you're rotating between. And at one point, every elevator gets to talk to each other elevator. Uh-huh. But you never know when it's going to happen. Right. So that's how I would probably incorporate it that way. But that's that's my fix. So I for, for mine, actually, I'm cribbing part of yours because it provided a solution like <laughs> that you had said earlier to a problem that I was having. So in mine, first of all, it's going to be just two elevators and they're going to be two elevators in the same building. And I think it's going to be probably a combination, a hotel where there are like condos on the top floor or some shit like that, yeah. like the plaza or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to just sort of start chopping out characters wholesale kind of. I think we're going to, <laughs> sorry, like both the disorderlies are gone. So oh, yeah. it's going they're to be, gone. yeah. So one elevator is effectively going to stay almost entirely the same, which is to say the dating sim style elevator. Yeah. I do think, like I said, the one thing I thought earlier was that because I like James Rode Rodriguez still, and I kind of want him in there that maybe I would just cast him as like the brainy type guy instead. And that would be my way to kind of keep him in the story, mm-hmm. even though I'm going to remove that entire elevator concept. Patrick Stewart's character is going to be in this elevator too, but I think it's going to be as one of those things where it's like, he's in town for business and his son's probably like, Hey, like, well, why don't you stop by my place for Christmas? And he's like, I have to yell at people and make them tables. And so he's like, you know, like it's, it's like, he, I, I might not get to do this. But like, I don't know, son. <laughs> for a second, I said, have carpenting up some tables. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the tables are an apology. I, I yell at them and then I make them a table to apologize. Yes, that, that's definitely going it. Um, yes, you know, instead of having it be the doctor and the nurse in the elevator with the orderlies and the patient who's coming up out of surgery, it's going to just probably be the doctor and the nurse who probably like live in the same building or something like that. And it's not going to be this discussion like while this patient is lying there coming back to life. But I think it might just you might have a little bit more to do with just, you know, the fact that this sort of thing wears on you after right. a little bit. Just the idea that being a doctor and working with all these situations day after day, you kind of start to think like, well, what's the point of any of all of this shit? I would want to make them both kind of less preachy and unlikable Mm -hmm. but I think it might just be a nice little moment of these two people who again work together but probably don't know each other very well and don't have a whole lot in common but like gradually kind of getting to know each other based on what their philosophy is that gets them through this horrible job day after day and so you've got Patrick Stewart in this elevator too I think you're probably going to have Cheryl Hines one of the other orchestra members like the one who she ends up with probably in this elevator too right is that what his name I don't remember I think his name is Walt I could be wrong you could yeah that might be right for whatever reason while they're trying to get hold of emergency calls like they 
they also get patched into each other, mm-hmm. so they can kind of banter back and forth a little bit as need yeah, be. But maybe not as well if they have to yell as you Right, yeah. yes, exactly. Them being trapped in there will also allow you a little bit of, like, outside perspective. Like, you could still sort of have John Heater be like, oh my god, I just heard my dad's stuck in an elevator. Like, I better run down to that hotel where he's been staying at or something. Right, yeah. And, like, so that way you also have a little bit more variance in terms of location, because that way you're not just stuck in six elevators for mm-hmm. the entire fucking movie, and you can have exterior shots and things like that, which would also take the place of the car that flipped upside down and knocked out the power for the entire block or whatever the fuck it is that it did. And what I think you have to do with a situation like this is that everyone kind of just has to sort of accomplish something while they're in this elevator, you know, whether that's the doctor and the nurse learning about what their co-worker is and what their way of life is, or if you have things like Patrick Stewart sort of learning that he's been a shitty dad and has to come to like, and it's something that's also easier to do if you have other people to bounce off of. But a lot of this comes from the idea that I liked when the orchestra played the song together. They all accomplished like a minor goal in that scene, you know, where it's like one person admits that like, you know, oh, I cheated on my exam or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I think it's just that like everyone in this elevator has to accomplish something to feel like they gain something. I also want Art Curator and Hunky Santa to get together at the end. <laughs> I think you kind of have like the, the two women sort of being like, which of us will Hunky Santa yeah. want to get with? And then he just like picks up the Art Curator, like carries him out of the elevator. I am Bruce. Like, 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 we're going to breakfast. Yeah. Brunch. Slay. Literally, work, Santa Slay. Work queen. <laughs> I changed things pretty significantly. I think maybe for me, I, I just started trimming elevators and then I didn't stop. <laughs> there are no elevators. There's, instead, there's a care home. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. no, I'm not going back Everyone's to that. Everyone's having affairs. I'm not going back to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did like some of the stuff in this movie that I'm going to keep, but I'm not, making, not putting it in a bleak. Is that like our longest running bit? Minus six <laughs> elevators plus one care home. <laughs> Plus, plus endless misery. Yeah. Misery, actually. <laughs> Literally. It's, it's, it's Christmas misery. Crisery. Crisery? Crisery. Um, so my, my thought is that this is happening at just one hospital. So Because I, I, I still like that. I think that actually facilitates... I feel like we're getting close into a care home, I but know, okay, I keep going. I know that we are, but we're not. Because we're not. <laughs> I feel like that, that does allow for a greater intersection of, you know, different kinds of people could be there. Mm-hmm. It does kind of keep that stumbling block of like, okay, how is your hospital running out of power? But, you know, it's not impossible. Let's say there's like a, a, a freak blizzard hurricane or whatever. A blizzard cane? A blizzard cane. Oh, no. I've, so, so something like that, you know, yeah. a, a bomb cyclone took out all of the power. Uh-huh. And let's say there is like a backup generator, but, and, you know, it's keeping the lights on. Right. People are basically fine, but you if there's not enough power to then also turn the TV on. Mm-hmm. And in, maybe the elevator that Patrick Stewart, who is seeking treatment at, in like the nicest suite. To have his heart replaced. Place. Exactly. <laughs> Something like, he's yeah, getting he's a bigger shriveled. heart put in. He actually had... Yeah. A shriveled little like dried fig of heart. The they had, yeah, they, 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 yes. getting, they, just, they just push three more hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart like rounding up like three immigrants and be like, give me a heart. Listen in me. Make a heart. So my my thought is he's he's getting something done. He's like a, a an extremely rich man. He has like the best suite in the whole. Like so many like people have brought him flowers. He's had all of this like food and goodies delivered and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But just for him, okay. Yeah. Just for just for him and maybe like religious nurse. 
is like assigned to him. <laughs> well, he's he and religious nurse are going to be like stuck in the elevator together. Uh-huh. I think the orchestra is there because there was some event on another floor that they're playing music for. Right. Um, yeah, all that crap. Uh, Brainiac can still be there to see his wife. You know, there's just I I I just had this idea of the orchestra kind of doing that jam session mm-hmm. for kind of as like a moment where everyone has come together yeah. trying to like make the best out of the situation together and I want not necessarily for me and Patrick Stewart to have a like full change of heart but I do want religious nurse to not turn him to Christ but more just sort of like get him to understand how other people have needs yeah <laughs> and that him being miserly in this way especially in this instance when like a lot of people's lives are ridiculously inconvenienced yeah. by what's happening and obviously no one wants to be at this hospital on right. Christmas so so I I want the kind of like the like cheerful climax to the movie of inviting everyone into his hospital room deluxe for, yes. hospital <laughs> for goodies yeah. to you know have goodies and Party. have like Christmas cheer together. Yeah. And look, we have this. <laughs> what, what day is it? Get me the finest <laughs> set of Kit Kats <laughs> from the nearby <laughs> candy striper. Do you know that turkey hanging at the hospital gift shop? <laughs> the what? Get us the goose. <laughs> I know you have goose here. Um, but yeah, like I. Um, I, 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 I will say, like, I, I, I don't have anything against putting faith in this. The way I would like to portray that is not as a, like, it's important you believe in Jesus, but more like, it's important that there are, like, virtues such as, like, kindness and community that you invest yourself in, especially. I, I love it when Christmas movies kind of just step around religion as a question entirely and just go for, like, kindness to your common man yeah. and brotherhood. I just, yeah. Being at the hospital ever, not fun, especially on on Christmas, which I think probably just drives home how shitty that must feel. Yeah. And I just I love this idea of people kind of pushing past that to find to find humanity humanity with each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. And that's Christmas, baby. <laughs> and that's you know Christmas, what? baby. That, you know that's what? just that's that's just Christmas, baby. <laughs> that's crimbo. It's all uh, it's all fruity pebbles, baby. <laughs> All right, so would you recommend Christmas Eve? No. 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 Yeah, it's, it's first <laughs> of all... I knew it was going to be bad. I, yeah. wanted to you, do, I wanted to pitch a movie about being stuck in an elevator on Christmas Eve. In terms of our purposes, this movie gives you a lot as a jumping off point yep. to yeah. do something better. Plenty of material. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a no from all of us. This movie is also kind of a pain in the ass to find. We just happen to find it on YouTube because it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, so, but that, that should also be a measure of how much this movie does not exist. Right. You, you, it's, it's yeah, basically also, either it's, this or we could buy a DVD. It's hard to find on YouTube. I found it by Google searching Christmas Christmas Eve movie streaming. Mm-hmm. But if you search on Google, on YouTube for Christmas Eve, it's very hard to find. I had to watch later it to like find it again because it's like, if you just Google Christmas Eve, it's like a million things. Right. No, I, I downloaded the YouTube video as soon as you posted because I was like, I'm worried yeah. that this will be taken down and I need, to, <laughs> like, if, if we can't watch this, we're fucked. But I did have a good time talking about it. Yeah. It yeah. was it was, it was was a relatively easy watch, even yeah. though it does feel longer than it's yeah. 95 minutes. And I will say, like, we talked about it. There are a couple bits that are like, that's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there are some genuinely fun bits of yeah. it. So we'll be back in two weeks with our closing of the year mini episode as we say goodbye to 2023 and bring on 2024. Facebook.com slash whywatchpodcast is our Facebook page. Draftpack.com is our website. You can find all the older episodes there until we figure out why you can't yeah. find them on iTunes. And it's which, now secure. It's yes, now it's, secure. There, there is now an S after the HTTP. <laughs> yeah, so. I finally figured it out. Yep. I took two seconds to figure it out. That's <laughs> exactly did. what it was. Yeah, basically, well, I took two seconds and I broke the website. Yes. And then I took five more seconds and I fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> 
But now so. it's good. Till then, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Glad I got to talk with you all, and let's go watch another shitty movie after this now. Yeah. Right. Bye. Yeah.